Hey guys, in this episode, I get to speak with Gary Miles, a fellow innovator in the legal industry for four decades. He will share what his experience has taught him and what he is doing to help others in the legal industry grow. Listen in for more. Good morning, Gary. How's it going? Welcome to the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast. Happy to have you on board and really eager to learn about your story. Um, sounds like a very interesting one. So you, you want to tell the audience about me. that? Sure. Um, so I am a lifelong resident of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, spent um, my whole life here, really. I uh, became a lawyer in Maryland in 1978 at the age of 23. Wow. Went through college in three years. I'm not sure if that was the right lifestyle choice or not, because I went right from there into law school but I've been practicing for over four decades um, in various fields. I'm primarily focused on insurance defense and trial work for the first three decades. I represented um, tractor trailer drivers and trucking companies in motor vehicle accidents. The last 10 years, I've focused more on family law. Um, it's my mission and passion life to help people solve their problems. And I find um, I'm not an advocate of divorce and not an advocate of custody battles, but when someone is stuck in that, I like to really help them. I like to be a problem solver. I'm not a, not a pit bull. I'm not a, someone who wants to create a fight. I want to solve a problem. And um, so I really like helping my clients when they're in a dark place where people are calling people names. There's a lot of emotion and anger and victimization and help them grow and get past it and get to a, a safer, more comfortable place. Absolutely. And I think that's literally what the legal industry needs right now, more compassionate attorneys and legal support staff for that matter, um, because the experiences that we have that make us go to these you know, law firms for help are already a burden, right? Are already something that was either unexpected or unforeseen circumstances, or you know, just you tried your best and there's just nothing else you can do. This is literally your last resort, depending on what type of legal matter it is, right? Some of it are happy things like merger and acquisitions. You know, some of them are not so happy. So it's always important to keep that in the forefront of our mind that when our clients are coming to these law firms and legal departments or whatever legal capacity they're at, um, that they're coming already disgruntled, right? They're already coming at a point in their life where they need help and they don't know how to figure it out. And that's why they come to us. And so to have an open, you know, arms and give, embrace them, whether it's physically or figuratively and really hold their hand sometimes, um, is really needed and it will change the narrative, right? I think Hollywood has a really great, um, way of, and I mean this sarcastically, of showing how the legal industry is throughout certain types of movies and, um, certain type of things, um, and so it's nice to see that there are other, you know, other legal professionals that feel the same way and that are actually pushing it and moving it forward. On that note, I know that throughout your family law, that can't kind of uh, embrace the importance of a good mindset, right? And those self-beliefs that we have of each other, which is now making you go a different avenue, right? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I'm really focused on um, personally on mindset. Um, on accepting things I can't change. Like I used to want to always make people happy and please other people. 
I want to control other people. I realize now everybody's right to live their life their own way. And when I accept the world as it is, then I'm in a much more content place. And that's what I work with my clients on. They often come to me filled with resentments about their spouse. Um, and, and they may be completely justified, but I like to help them realize that you can't change that person. We just have to figure out how to handle it and how to get you to a better place, how to free you from that place, become personally free and, um, and grow from it, to not let that person um, name calling, um, angry behavior control your happiness. And, and I, so I kind of give them homework. Go to work, do a good job. Focus on work when you're at work. At night, go to your kid's soccer game, be a good mom or dad, send me the information I need and let the rest of it go. Let me handle it, ignore all the stuff. Don't give that person space in your head. And um, you know, for me, the same is true with me at my work. I can't, uh, I've learned it's important for me to focus on the process, to enjoy the journey, to not worry about the results so much, to not let focus on am I gonna win or lose, not let that bother me, just enjoy the journey, enjoy being a lawyer, enjoying help people solve problems. And I try to create that atmosphere in my, in my office of we're part of a team. We all have a seat on the bus, we all have a role to play and everyone is valued for what they, you know, what they do and what they bring to the table. I've seen when I talk to other folks in other law firms, whether it's, it's usually not the partner, it's usually a younger associate or maybe a paralegal who I've connected with on LinkedIn, that the environment can be very toxic. And, and I think that's unfortunate. I know I work a lot with attorneys who are struggling with issues um, through the Maryland Lawyer Assistance Committee. And I know from my own personal experience that some lawyers can be very, very difficult to work against or with as mm -hmm. opposing counsel. I can't imagine what it's like to work for them. But I do know <laughs> that our field has a lot of inherent stresses to it. It's very, very stressful. And it's important for me as a manager of a law office to not let the stress I feel from a case to go downward to my staff. Because that just creates more stress and more inefficiencies for them at their job. I love it. I love it. That's literally the epiphany of the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast and movement in and of itself. Our, our motto is changing the legal industry from the inside out. And so you just really painted a beautiful picture and just like my eyes are watering because that's literally what I want to see, um, you know, being a legal professional myself for over 18 years now, seeing, like you said, the discrepancies and the disgruntled attorneys and seeing how they treated not only me, but others, right? Because I wasn't alone in it. Um, really, um, unfortunately, we lose good people you know, to the legal industry, um, whether it's mindfulness, right, where whether they don't care, and it just becomes a punch in punch out, whether they move on to do other things, because they just can't handle the pressure anymore. Um, and it's due to bad leadership, right? It, it has nothing to do with our skills. But you know, we talk a lot in the in the book that's coming out now about negative bias, and how that can affect, you know, the mind of anyone, right? But if you're constantly getting these negative things towards you, your mind is going to play this really nasty trick on you. And it's going to say, hey, you know, 
that's who you are then you know your mind actually becomes that whatever it is that narrative and I was there that's why I did the research on it because I became that victim and I was about to leave the legal industry and I said no I have to change it I have to make a change I have to do something about this this cannot go quiet um, the American Bar Association is doing great things now with the well-being pledge and with, you know, throwing out articles. I've been seeing the recent articles that they've been throwing out. Also, Forbes magazine is doing a great job of doing that as well regarding the um, mental health and mindset of the legal industry and the Adderall abuse in law schools and, and things like that. Just being aware of things. Right. Um, I hear all these horror stories from my clients that are attorneys. And, you know, everything that they went through through law school, how they put them against each other. And no matter how hard you studied, you know, it didn't matter because if somebody else got a better grade and this and that, and it was just, it was a madhouse, right? So you kind of, I think law school sets the tone, right? Because if it's like that in law school, right, then you have to be like that in practice. Or what are your thoughts on that? Actually, I'm curious. I I think sadly, I really enjoyed my law school experience. I like the style of learning. But sadly, it's hyper competitive. Mm. Um, it's hard. Getting into law school is pretty much strictly based on your LSAT grade. It doesn't matter what kind of a person you are so much, what your personal story is, what your journey is, what your mm. level of empathy is. It's a numbers game. And mm. in terms of law school, where you finish in the class determines if you get the job you want. If you're in the top 10%, you can write your ticket. If you're in the bottom half, you're in trouble. And mm. most all law schools grade on a curve. So there's a limited and not very small number of people get A's, a slightly bigger amount that get B's, et cetera. And so you're fighting with your classmates who you wanna have a good relationship with to be the one who gets the better grade. So I think it does, it can create that hyper-competitive atmosphere. And then we're fighting for a job. And in some bigger firms, there are eight or 10 associates only one of them is going to become partner. And so you have the same competitiveness continuing. I'm blessed. I chose to always work in a smaller firm. And, and I think I like having some control over the kind of work I do, but also over the people that I work with. Mm. And I have a paralegal that works for me who's just a real wonderful person. It's important for me to always know that she has her own life. So when she has a family member, you know, in a smaller firm, we can be very, very flexible. I right. need four hours off to take my mom to the doctor. That's fine, you know. Um, and, and one thing I have to always be conscious of is I can't let my sloppiness affect my paralegal. So if I fall behind because I'm not focused and on time, I can't say you got to stay late Friday night to eight o'clock because I haven't gotten this pleading out yet, you know. Mm. And I think a lot of times we're not as focused on on our our paralegal and our staff and their needs. We're focused on on ourselves. And accountability, I think, plays a big part on that too, right? Taking accountability on on your part of, like you said, it's a team effort. And it's kind of like, I used, I just had this conversation with a good friend of mine this morning. Um, it's kind of like group projects when we're in like high school or, you know, uh, even college, I used to hate them. Oh my God. I dreaded group projects. Cause I always knew I was going to get this one person that was going to slack and, you know, and this and that, and it was just, but 
it was my preconception, right? Like, it's not like you're always going to get that person, right? I was always the go-getter, the okay, the planner, the one that got everybody together. And I said, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Da, 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 da. And that was who I was in everything at work, at college, like everybody wanted to be on my team because they knew that that was going to get it done. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I have to say that out of all the group projects, because my undergrad was sociology, so we did a lot of group projects. That's literally the epiphany of sociology, right? The study of society. And so um, on one of them, I, I want to say one out of five, I did get that one person. And I always, my mom's words, when like situations like that happen, they come to me, they just creep up on me and they say, hey, that'd be the better person. Let them know who they are, but not disrespecting them, right? Always be that better person. And I was mad and I was angry because it was almost two, three days before the presentation and this person hadn't done what they had to do in order to complete the project. And it was a pretty intricate part of the project as well. And that was the like I want to say 30% of our grade it was that right so we needed to make sure that that person completed it and so I had a heart to heart with them at the group meeting and I said listen I don't know what's going on I don't know if it's lack of you know being proactive or you know being a procrastinator I don't know if there's something personal going on I don't know what is holding you back from doing your best but we need you and I don't know if that was the best way to say it, right? Maybe I used words that maybe they didn't, but something somewhere in that conversation, something clicked in that person. And they looked at me and they're like, nobody has ever cared of what I did. And I was like, well, we do. We care. And not only because of us, because of you, you're paying all this money to go to college for what? Right. If, you're, if you're not going to get good grades, if you're not going to get your degree, you're just throwing away money. So you need to, you know, step it up and you need to start caring. Even maybe you feel alone, maybe you feel unsupported, but we're here to support you. That's the whole purpose, right? And ever since then, that person always made sure they were in my classes and everything. And I became kind of like the go-to person for them because they didn't have anybody in their life. And that was so sad, Right. So sometimes when we dread those or, or when we have these pre, pre, what is it, preconceptive notions of these of certain types of personalities, um, it's always nice to dig in a little deeper and really find that why, right? The why they're like that, why they think that way, what are their belief systems, how did they grow? And that's really what attracted me to sociology, right? Because that is sociology in a nutshell. Um, and so I did my degree and of course, you know, <laughs> that was the best degree ever for a person that's always curious and always asking why. <laughs> um, but I think situations like that, we can, we can grab those, right. And take those into our, um, law firms and our professions and our personal life and grow the community. Um, and sometimes, like you said, we're not going to be able to change them, but by having a conversation, we may. You know, by having that understanding, showing empathy, showing grace, um, by us being the better person, like my mom always tells me, uh, we can make some type of a difference, right? Some type of a ripple. Um, so it's not like, oh, hope is lost. <laughs> what, what I love about what you said is I think you recognize that when someone acts in a way that isn't 
appropriate, isn't nice, isn't kind, rather than getting mad at that person for how they acted and, and letting them ruin your day and your mental space, you realize that they might be acting that way because they have some issue of their own, whether it's a sick child, whether it's whatever, there's something going on in their world, their background that causes them to behave like that. And, and so you think kindly of them and you say a prayer for them or extend them good wishes because you know, that's why they're acting like that. I know, I know it's hard. Um, but on that note, I want to go to our last um, conversation that we had, which was um, how do you see the legal industry in the future, right? Because the pandemic has changed a lot, has changed the dynamic, has uplifted, like I was saying about the American bar with the well-being um, pledge and all that good stuff and paralegals having their paralegal day. And, you know, it, it has it has unearthed a lot of things and some good, some bad. So what are your thoughts and how do you see the legal industry, you know, moving forward from here on out? Well, one of the things that I like is you and I both share a passion for improving the legal profession and and you working from the paralegal perspective and me working from the firm management um, perspective. Um, I've seen over the years, some changes that I don't really like, like yeah. back in the day, I'd pick up the phone and I'd call someone and say, we got this problem in this case, I need this from you and I'll get it to you. It was done by phone. And now people tend to do much more by email um, and, and they can be a bit, like I'm amazed how many attorneys are so nice in person, so nice on the phone. And then I get an email and I'm like, what the heck? Where did that come from? That wasn't what we talked about. That wasn't the tenor of our, our tenor of our conversation was, how do we bring this case to, to a efficient, appropriate conclusion without causing a lot of ill will? And then you get a letter and it's like, what, where's that coming from? So I, I think it's really important to, to try to get back to a culture of civility and professionalism and courtesy. And uh, our profession does have a lot of stresses in it. Um, I work with the Maryland Lawyer Assistance Committee. We try to identify lawyers who have mental health issues, whether it's depression or anxiety or addiction, and try to help them grow from that. Because whatever's going on in their life, as we talked about before, affects the people who work with them, affects the other lawyers in the case, affects their clients. So, um, you know, my goal is in every case I have to work with lawyers in a way that is professional and courteous. I have one particular lawyer who's a problem, two of our files, and I will pick the phone up and I'll call him and I'll say, let's get off the letter writing and and have a professional conversation and try to come to a solution. Right. Sadly, it didn't work with him. He oh, said, no. I won't talk to you anymore on the phone. Just send me an email. But that's the kind of toxic attitude we have to get rid of because it hurts the clients and costs them money. And mm -hmm. we have motions were in court. We burn up the court's time and it's all to no end. Mm -hmm. um, I have a mentor in family law. He, he has such a great relationship with his paralegal. She's had children. They work all that out. She can work virtually. He works mm -hmm. around her schedule. And that's the kind of cooperative teamwork that we all need to engender in our offices, with our clients, and with opposing counsel. I know courts love it when we say we had a problem and we fixed it. 
and, and don't like it when we're in front of them all the time arguing about producing a stupid document that we could handle on our own. So my goal is to bring an attitude of professionalism and courtesy into my office with opposing counsel and into the courtroom. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally support that statement in every which way. And I want to thank you for taking the time out of your crazy schedule. (laughs) I know it's pretty early. um, And I want to thank you for your hard work and dedication to the legal industry, especially for four decades. That has a lot to say. Not a lot of attorneys can say that they survived four decades. Um, and, and to see that your mindset and your positivity is spreading outward is, is really what the legal industry needs now. And it's, like I said, the epiphany of the Let's Talk Paralegal movement. So thank you. And I wish you nothing but more success and more decades to come. And I appreciate all you do, you know, with the industry. I, I meet with and coach young attorneys on mindset and belief and positive attitudes. And I know you're supportive through your work with paralegals and helping them and the offices they work in be the best they can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will do that until God lets me say, okay, bye. (laughs) Very good. Have a good one, Gary. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome.